Well, good morning, Oakwood. Glad you're here this morning to uh, worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I need to let you know about something that's a little bit different um, this morning. If you usually follow along with us in the app, uh, the app pushed an update from the company that hosts it this week. And we didn't find out until yesterday that all of our updates to the sermon notes today are not in the Oakwood app. So if you want to follow along like you normally do, you need to go to the Bible app. You need to go to the menu in the bottom right-hand corner and go to events. And under events will be Oakwood Christian Church. And you can follow along there. So if you're one of those that likes having the notes and the scriptures right there on your screen in front of you, um, you need to do it that way through the Bible app today, not through the Oakwood app. And hopefully that'll be, that'll be fixed for next week. But before we continue this morning, the most important thing we can do is pray and ask God to speak to us this morning. So if you would, please bow your heads right now and just give you a moment here to just pray in your heart, Lord, today, speak to me. And believing that, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So we started this new series last week called Witness, and uh, as always, if you missed that, you want to catch that online, you can catch that on our website or through the app. Uh, We're also uh, podcasting now on Spotify, Google Play, and iTunes, so pretty much it's all out there in any mass media format that you need. So uh, I want you to stay tuned every week, even if you uh, do um, unfortunately have to miss a week of services here. That's how you can stay caught up on the series. And last week we, we talked about um, the mission that Jesus gave us in Matthew 28, right before he left this world. He says, uh, make disciples. And he tells us how. He says, you're going to go, you're going to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, just like we saw a little bit ago. You're going to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And then after that, we talked about Acts 1.8, and that's kind of the focus of this series, because then Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes to you, you will receive power, and then he says, you will be my witnesses. That's how he's going to do it. And so he's going to do it through the Great Commission, that we're going to make disciples as we go, baptize, and teach them to obey everything he's commanded us. And then in Acts 1.8, he says, and you are going to do it because you will be my witnesses. And today, we're going to talk about the vehicle. Okay, what, what, what is it? Okay, so we, we have the mission, and we have the how it's going to be, but what are we witnessing to? What are we taking to the lost and dying world? What is, what is this thing that the Bible keeps saying is good news? What is good news? What is the gospel? That's going to be looking at today. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. If you didn't bring your Bible, you want to grab that one there in front of you, turn it to page 939. You'll be right there at Romans chapter 1, and look down to verse 16. This is going to kind of be our focal point for the message today, but there's going to be a number of other scriptures as we continue this morning, and all of those will be on the screen. But this is our main passage this morning, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, just one verse, written by the Apostle Paul, and this is what it says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I want you to notice a couple of things there. He says, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. Now, if you go to gospel and you go to the original language that the New Testament was written in, uh, written in, in Greek, that word literally means good news. Okay, so if you hear gospel, think good news. If you hear good news, think gospel. Okay, and this good news is about who it's about, Jesus. And look what it says there. It says, because this is the power of God. This good news about Jesus, the story of Christ, the Son of God, dying on the cross, being raised on the third day. This story is the power of God for salvation to 
Who? Everyone who believes. And, and we see once again that the gospel, uh, we see as anytime there's a gospel passage, we see this, this part of it that seems like it's always for everyone. It's for everyone, it's for everywhere. Now it says here first to the Jew and then to the Greek, and that's what it's saying is it's going to be first for God's chosen people, the Israelites in that time, in that area, in that place. But it's also supposed to go out to the Greeks and, and out to the entire world, the gospel. And he's not going to be ashamed of that, that good news and the thing is, if you think about it, this really makes a lot of sense because we're in a world and in a time right now that has a lot of bad news, right? Bad news. Think about it. If you turn on the TV tonight at 10 o'clock, what are you going to see? Bad news, right? And it's not going to be about the Chiefs because they're going to beat the Patriots today. That's not going to be the bad news. But it's, it's going to be bad news, you know? It's always negative. Somebody, you know, shot someone or someone stole something or there's an apartment fire in Oklahoma City or so-and-so was in a high-speed chase or somewhere around the world there's this mass suicide bombing. And you, you look at this and you, you think there's constantly bad news in the world. And so we are, we are not ashamed of the gospel because it is good news. The gospel is good news and it's for everyone who believes. And the vehicle and what we're supposed to be witnesses of and witnesses for is this gospel, this good news about who Jesus is as the Son of God. Because there's a lot of bad news in the world. If you think about it, we have a lot of issues, don't we? Lots of issues. I want to share some of the issues we have this morning of why we need the good news. So I'm going to kind of share the bad news with you first. The first thing is that we have a core issue. All of us have a core issue. What I mean is a core issue from inside our hearts. You know, it's amazing. The most talented and celebrated people in our world today, all the most popular people, and even the celebrities, they all seem to still exhibit this level of grasping, don't they? This seeking something more in life. This positioning that portrays there is an emptiness somewhere inside, even though it looks like they have it all. There's an emptiness in their core. They have a core issue. You know, I believe that there is a God-shaped hole in every human heart that God is the only one that can fill. But so many people on the earth, they pursue achievements and accolades and acquisitions of things. Some others try to fill that hole with relationships. They jump from one relationship to the other and they're all broken and they never work out. They never seem to find the one that's going to fill their heart up. Others are haunted by their failures or their imperfections and they seek solace and comfort in something other than God. It's in pills or, or drugs or other harmful substances. And others just turn to harmful behaviors. But the fact is we all have a core issue. Some more bad news is that we have a character issue. We have a character issue. I mean, we open the paper or see on the nightly news almost every day now about a parent, a teacher, a coach, or even a religious leader who violated a sacred trust at a very terrible cost. We groan at the story about the corporate or political leaders who abuse their position that others are now having to pay the price for. We see excess and vanity paraded like it's some right of being a celebrity. We encounter people with all kinds of vices. We learn about another business partnership that's dissolving, about another scandal that's brewing, about another act of violence that's done. And somehow, all of our advances in technology and all of our educational advances and all of our prosperity have not corrected this character issue. We've got a core issue, but we also have a character issue. And then I think most people in the world would say, you know, we have a change issue. We all want the world to change, don't we? And we have this issue with change. We, we need things to change, but we don't know how. And it doesn't seem like our world uh, seems to have very much success in making a change. Our school systems are often under-resourced, overcrowded, and educational outcomes are hard. 
There's a stunningly high percentage of homes that are now led by single parents, especially single moms. And it's interesting because the inner city gangs have seemed to take on this largely fatherless children as their own. Take them on their team. Children die of starvation in the world, malnutrition, and even just dirty water. A scandalous number of elderly and mentally ill, they suffer with no one to visit them, no one to care for them. And we look at this, and and even atheists and non-Christians would say, yes, the world needs to change. We want to see this change happen, but the world offers no solutions. You see, we have a change issue. Then we have this thing called the mortality issue. I think everybody that lives on the earth comes to a point in their life where they ask themselves, is this really all there is? Is this, is this really what I was created and put on earth for? I mean, is this, is this it? I mean, is there something that's going to happen when I die? Is there more to life than just the here and now? If you go to a major news, newspaper in a big city, you'll find literally pages of obituaries boiling down lives in this world to maybe a couple of paragraphs. And one day, it'll be your name on that page, and it'll be mine. And someday, we're going to have a tombstone someplace, and an entire lifetime will be reduced to this intervening dash between two dates. And it begs the question, is there more? We have a mortality issue. The last one, I think, the bad news is that we have a love issue. You know, you think about all the bad things I've just talked about, all the bad news, and you think, you know, life might be bearable if everything we encountered was largely filled with love. But in this world where marriages are torn apart, where children are often forgotten, where relationships and friendships are strained, and there's this record number today of politicians and pundits that are shredding each other without civility, we see the face of our world as having an absence of love. How will all of this become otherwise? How will you be able to overcome a core issue A character issue, a change issue, a mortality issue, and a love issue. And I want to start this morning by reminding us, how did we get here exactly? How did we get here? Because if you read the Bible, you start out in Genesis 1-1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And as he's going through creation, and if you read Genesis chapters 1 and 2 and into 3, you'll see that as God creates the heavens and the earth and the waters and and, and the, the, the wildlife and the plants, and as he's creating our planet, as he's creating us, it, 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 every time he creates and he's done with that day, he looks over all of his creation and he says what? He says, it is good. And he creates the next day and at the end of that day he says, and it is good. And he creates the next day and he looks at that and he says, it is good. And then he gets to, to when we are created as humans in the likeness of him and the character of him with Adam and Eve in the garden. And he looks over all of his creation and everything he's been doing that, that whole six days. And at the end of that, he actually, it's, it's the only time he says this, he actually looks over all of his creation and he says, it is very good. Now, if you like a look out over creation today, can you say it is very good? No. Is it even good? No. As you look out over creation today, something's messed up, something's missing. And after we had the creation, and it was good, 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 and it was very good. Then we had the fall. Satan. We've been cast out of heaven hundreds or thousands of years before. Comes in the form of a serpent in the garden to Adam and Eve. Given one rule. 
You can have anything you want in this garden. You can eat or drink of anything here. And God says, I'm just going to give you one rule. Don't eat of this one tree. One tree, one rule. Sounds really easy, doesn't it? But Satan is a deceiver and he's a liar. And he comes to Adam and Eve and says, hey, he plants this seed. Is God holding out on you? Is God really giving you everything? You know, when you come to that point, Adam and Eve tempted to think and second-guess God. They take the fruit. They break the one rule. It's called the fall. It's the fall of, of humankind where we sin against God. And after that, there's some consequences happen. There's, there's some immediate consequences. It brought division and destruction to the relationship with God and also seemed to stir some things in the relationship between Adam and Eve. There's now darkness and despair that's brought into the world for the first time and really a negative tone for the first time in Scripture. And it also brought about something else. One of the immediate consequences was that it, it brought decay and death. And it was all because humans were seduced into thinking that God's way was not the best way. And there's consequences for the choices that Adam and Eve made. This passed down from generation to generation. But there was also an eternal consequence. You see, God made this rule, and you can read this in the Old Testament. The eternal consequence was, okay, when there's sin, something has to happen. Because sinning against, against me, there's going to be a consequence. There's going to be a penalty for this choice for sin. And so what God decided in the very beginning is the rule is when there is sin, something has to die. And if you read the Old Testament, you get into Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus and Numbers, especially in Leviticus, you, you read the Levitical law, there's all of these rules and all these laws about sacrifices. Because when there was something that had happened that was sinful in God's sight, no matter what it was, there had to be a penalty to pay. There had to be atonement for that sin. For that choice. It always involves sacrifice. It always involved the blood. The covering of the blood. You, you read about it in all the sacrifices as they sacrifice different animals. But many times it was the blood of the lamb. And it wasn't just any lamb. God wanted your best, your first, your favorite, the most, the, the prized possession that you had. He said, I want you to sacrifice that. And that's going to be the sacrifice for your sins. And there was an eternal consequence because... Now there was this choice we had to make between choosing God's way or choosing our own way, and there was an eternal consequence that we could actually be eternally separated from God. The irony of it is we're created in the garden to walk with God forever and to have an eternal relationship with him, but the consequence of, of choosing against him was that now we have this option of eternal separation. Now you tell me, what are you going to do to mess up this, this mess we've made with sinfulness? What are we going to do? What can you do? Can you live a perfect life? All of us are sinners. And this is where God enters into something I like to call amazing grace. Enter amazing grace. How sweet is the sound of that, that God came to us in the form of Jesus. The scripture says that God sent his one and only son, Jesus. 
that he sent him into the world ultimately to be a sacrificial lamb and that his blood would cover all the sins. We don't need to sacrifice animals anymore because God's own son suffered and died and sacrificed for all of us. And he offers us new life, not only in eternity, but here on earth. And this new life is through that sacrifice. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, I think this is one of those scriptures. Every Christian should, should memorize this. 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, therefore, because he's just presented the gospel and talked about Jesus' sacrifice. And because of what Christ has done. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And you have the hope of being made new in Jesus Christ because of his sacrifice for you. And I don't know about you, but that's some good news in this world of bad news. And that's what we're to be witnesses to. You see, you're supposed to go and make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And when you make that decision for Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit will come on you and give you God's power. And he's going to stand with you. He's going to be with you on that mission. It says in Matthew 28, even to the very end of the age, he's going to be with you on that mission. And you will be my witnesses. And you will not be ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to all of those who would believe. And you are to be witnesses to that and take it to the world. Now, I'm just going to give you some ideas this morning on how do we break down this good news. You know, here's the good news that we're to be witnesses of. Here's the stories that we are to take out into the world so that many can make that choice to follow Jesus and to give their lives to Jesus. And the first one is this, good news. You can get right with God. You can get right with God. It's a process that's called justification. You can actually be made right with God. Here's how you do it. The first thing you do is you acknowledge this is going to be like A, B, C, D. You acknowledge. You acknowledge that you are separated from God because of your sinful choices. And every person that accepts Christ has to come to this point where they understand, if I continue living the way I'm living, it is going to bring nothing but judgment and ultimately death to my life. And I will be eternally separated from God. There's no do-over after you die. It's get it right now or don't get it at all. And before we go into the eternal judgment, we are called by God to make that decision and to acknowledge that we are sinners. Romans 3.23, what does it say? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us are sinners. There's no one righteous, not even one. In Romans 6.23, it says that the wages of these sinful choices that we have, that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we need to acknowledge that. The second thing is you believe. You put your faith in Jesus Christ and you believe that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross proves that God loves you and provides the payment, the atonement for the eternal judgment and damnation that would be on you otherwise. And you put your faith in that and you put your belief in that and you sell out 100% and believe in Jesus Christ as God's son and believe that he will deliver you into eternal life. The third thing that you do is you confess. you got the A, acknowledge, the B, believe. The third thing you do is you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You believe that in your heart. And it says in Scripture that you will be saved. You confess that you need His grace, that you need His mercy. And you're not ashamed of the gospel. You're going to confess that even before men. And then the fourth thing you do is you dedicate yourself to following Jesus' command for baptism. And then you dedicate yourself more to following Jesus for life. You acknowledge, you believe, you confess, and then you dedicate. Romans 6 puts it this way. One of my favorite passages in Scripture, uh, the Apostle Paul writing to the, the, the Roman Christians, he says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? 
you know, more sin, more grace, right? And he says, by no means. And that is a cleaned up in English version of that phrase. I remember a Bible college professor said that was the equivalent in Greek like Paul saying, hell no, by no means. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By hell no. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? And then he says this, or don't you know that those of you who are baptized into Christ Jesus, you're baptized into his death. You are therefore buried like Jesus, like the Son of God. You're buried like Christ in, in baptism. Just so as Jesus was raised from death to the glory of the Father through the resurrection, you too are raised to walk in newness of life. You don't stay in your sinful pattern anymore. There's a new way in life. It's the best way. And for those of us that are trying to walk in the ways of the Lord, we are the most, I mean, we are the, the most blessed people on the earth. We are so blessed beyond measure because of the life that we can have here and now. This freedom from guilt and freedom from always looking over your, your, your shoulder and, and wondering, did I say this or did I do this? You're walking a path of righteousness to God. And you're doing what it says in Acts 1.8. You're now being a witness. You'll be my witnesses of the gospel, the good news. And the first part of that is that you can get right with God. People need to hear that. People that you run into contact every day need to be told, you know what, there is a way that you can make yourself right before God. And it's not by living a sinless life because you have no hope of that. It's only through the blood of Jesus Christ that you can be justified before God. The second part of the good news is that you can overcome your character flaws. You can overcome your character flaws through a process we call sanctification. The process of you becoming more Christ-like. In John 10.10, Jesus says this, The thief, being Satan, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And so many times at this point when I read that scripture, I just want to ask everybody, how many of you want an abundant life? How many of you want a joy-filled life? How many of you want the abundant life that Christ intends you to have now? And I think everybody would be like, yeah, I want an abundant life. Well, just remember that the devil's way, your temptation, the sinful choices that you make are only there to steal, kill, and destroy. And you may say, well, I'm kind of enjoying my sin right now. Only for a season. Trust me, only for a season will you enjoy it. There's always consequences down the road. And that's why Jesus says, I have come that you could have life and you would have it more abundantly. In John 15 verse 5, Jesus says this, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You're not going to have an abundant life apart from me. And if you want to overcome the sins and the character flaws in your life, you need to walk and grow in Christ. That means you're reading your Bible every day. You're doing your devos every day. That means that you're saying prayers to God and spending time with God. And you are growing in your knowledge of Him. And we will see the fruit of the Spirit increase in your life. All of those, those wonderful attributes of being a Christ follower. And you will see your sin and your character flaws on the decrease. Will they ever cease? I don't know. Seems like uh, the Apostle Paul wrote about that in Romans 8. He says, the good things I want to do, I don't do. And the bad things I want to quit doing, I keep on doing. And he says, what a wretch of a man I am. Who can save me from this life of sin? And then he says, Jesus Christ is the only way. If I just press into him know more and know him more and love him more each and every day, we will see sin and character flaws on the decrease in our lives. Good news. Good news. More good news. You can live your life by reliable truth called revelation. 
understanding and having it revealed to you that you can live your life by reliable truth. And people in the world are hungry for truth today. Does the truth even matter anymore? Can you believe a word that comes out of your television or a word that you read in your local newspaper? Don't know. But listen to what Jesus has to say about this. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In John 8, 31, 32, it says, if you abide in your word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and that truth will set you free. You can know it, and it will set you free. Free from all the anxiety and the fear of what the falsehoods of this world bring to you. And reminded about the Holy Scriptures in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. That all scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching the truth, rebuking errors, correcting faults, and giving instructions for right living. So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We're going to be thoroughly equipped for everything God gives us through the word of scripture and through the truth. You can live your life by reliable truth. That's not bad news. That's good news. Fourth thing is you can participate in the renewal of the world. Redemption. Remember earlier we talked about how the world is so bad now. And it comes to this part where we feel like, man, we've got to change things in this world. How are we going to change things? Jesus uses many examples and gives many illustrations to what this actually means. But one of the best ones, I think, is, is when he calls us a light. He says, I want you as my witnesses. When you, when you testify to the truth that you're going to be a light and to the world. Matthew 5, 16 in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You're going to let your light shine. And when you do that and you show and you share Christ's love with the world around you, watch this world change. Because some of you have experienced this yourself personally and your whole world has changed, isn't it? The fifth thing, Good news is that you can enjoy life beyond death, the resurrection. You can enjoy this life beyond death. And if you're one of those that, man, I accepted Christ a long time ago, but I'm just not sure I'm saved, you, you need to memorize 1 John 5, 11 and 12. This is the assurance of salvation passage. And it says this, this is the testimony for you witnesses. This is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and that this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. It's that simple. Do you have Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? And the last part of the good news is that you can love with the greatest love of all. Glorification, bringing glory to God. You can love with the greatest love of all. 1 John 3, 1 says this, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. You can love with the greatest love of all, the love of God. This love is called agape in the Greek. Agape love is unconditional love. It's perfect love. It loves you for who you are and not what you do. It's not a judgment based upon your actions or you checking a box. It's just a love that accepts you right where you are now. That's good news. The good news of the gospel that the Apostle Paul says, and I will not be ashamed of it, for it is the power of salvation to all those who believe. And this is where your witnessing begins. This is where it begins this morning, is that you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and you make Him the Lord over your life, your Master. 
And your witness continues to grow as you walk in His ways, as you share the good news. And every time the good news in the Gospel is talked about in Scripture, it says that it's for everyone everywhere. It's literally for everyone, to all of those who would believe. And if that's not happening this morning, if you're saying, yes, I, I get this and, and I understand I'm supposed to be a witness, but I don't really understand how. I, I'm just not truly convinced that I live for him and that I, and that I actually try to be a witness for him. And if you're to that point this morning where some of you might might be feeling like, yes, I, I know, understand how I'm supposed to be a witness. I understand the vehicle of it is the gospel, but I actually don't go out and share my faith. I never have. I, I, it's not something that's a priority in my life is to, is to fill heaven with those who are lost. I, I'm not actually believing what the scripture says when he says you will be. He doesn't make it an option. I, I hear the marching orders of the gospel in Matthew 28 a lot about, yeah, I'm supposed to make disciples, but I've never made one in my whole life. And sometimes when I think about these things, I like to turn it back and to think about it from a different perspective. I think so many times we, we see the light of Scripture and the light, the light of um, the commands in Scripture and everything from just our perspective, right? From the human perspective. But I want you to shift your mindset for a minute this morning. And I want you to think about God. Put yourself in the place of God this morning. How would it make you feel that you would actually take one of your children, and let's say you only have one, you would allow them to be tortured and beaten and sacrificed, stripped naked in a very humiliating and, and cruel and torturous way on a cross for people so that they can be saved and have eternal life in heaven to spend with you. And then you tell those people, I want you to go and tell people the story. I want you to share with them the realness and the passion and the love that I have for them that I would actually sacrifice my son. And that same power that resurrected him from that tomb on Easter morning, that that same power can resurrect your life and can get you out of your tomb and out of your death spiral, out of your place of darkness and teach you to walk in a brand new life and not only for eternity, but even right here and now. And you as God say, man, I've done all of this stuff for you. And yet they tell no one. They share with no one. Maybe even by the way they're living, the light doesn't seem to be apparent in them. And if I'm God, I begin to question, what else do I need to do? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine standing before God this morning and God's begging you to be a witness? And he says, what more, what more can I do? What, what have I not given you? <laughs> May I give you life and existence on this, this earth? I even had you be born in the United States, a place of prosperity and a life of comfort and ease. Gave you a great family, and maybe it's not perfect, but you found me. You found hope, and you found life, and you found salvation. What more can I do for you? I gave you my son, my only son. You should have been taking the beating on the cross. You're the one that sinned. He never sinned. And yet in his perfection, I allowed him to be a sacrifice for you. What if God were to stand before you this morning and say, what else can I do to get you to understand that the devil's way is not the way to go in life, that he is a thief and a liar, that he's a deceiver just like he was in the garden. 
What else do I have to do to get you to realize that my ways are better than his and that I love you more than he ever would claim to love you? And then my outcomes for eternal life are a lot better and in your favor. That I am for you and not against you. And that I love you so much that I would sacrifice. What more do I have to do? And sometimes I think our response is something like this. Oh, Lord, it's not you. It's just, I'm just apathetic and I'm just tired. And I just, I don't know, I got other priorities. Like I get distracted. That's what it is, God. I, I get distracted and it's like inside, deep down inside, I, think, I feel like I want to, but I just, I think it's at that point. Are you saying to God, fact is, I love these things more than you? At least for now. I, I love these things more than you. And at that point, God says, you know what? I still love you. And I see that you say it's your weakness. I'm here to tell you that I've given you the Holy Spirit and I've given you the power to overcome these things and to be my witnesses. And I want you to understand my love is never going to run out. Even though you may disappoint me, I still love you. But I want you to be my witnesses because it's not just for you, this gospel, this good news. It's for everyone. And we have to get the word out. We have to inject some of this good news into the bad news world. You see, I want you to realize this morning, sometimes we think it's about our weakness or it's our flesh or it's temptation or it's just giving in. But I wonder sometimes, is it more about our love? What I have to do sometimes, I have to turn on this movie, The Passion of the Christ. I know it's, you know, R-rated Jesus film. R-rated for the violence in it because it's like really probably how it was like for Jesus to be crucified. And about two or three times a year, I turn that on in my office and I watch the beating scene of Jesus. I never did anything wrong. I walked into that because he loved me. And I only have to, I don't have to watch the whole scene, all nine minutes of it. No, about 30 seconds of it does it for me. And I remember how much he loves me and how much he sacrificed for me. And it's a motivation for me at that moment to repent and to turn to him and say, you know what? Go right back in, into the world and I'm going to be a witness for you. I'm not going to worry about embarrassment. There's nothing to be embarrassed about with what Jesus did. I'm not going to have any guilt. Guilt's not going to be a motivator for me. I'm going to totally defect from this world and I'm going to go your way. I'm going to be a witness. I'm going to put you first in my life. And you turn your whole life over to him like that completely, fully. You let him do some work in your heart. He's going to change you. Because he ultimately controls our ultimate destiny. But he gives us assurance of salvation so that we can be on his team, a part of his family, and tell others about his grace and the forgiveness of sins. And if you're outside of that this morning and you've never called him Lord and Savior, it's real easy. We, we try to make it really easy here in the church world. We say, hey, come over here and we'll talk to you about it. We're going to sing a song. You just walk over to the decision room. Talk to one of these elders of these decision guides and let them talk to you about your, your faith. But probably more than that this morning, most of us would say, I'm saved. I'm a Christian. But are you a witness? And if not, have you maybe slidden back into old patterns? 
or you've said, you know what, I'm, I'm choosing to love this more than what God says. May this morning be a time of repentance and renewal to understand his great love and sacrifice for you so that the power of the gospel can be manifest in your life through your witness. Let's pray.